I mean, no matter where you are in your life cycle um, or how much money you've got, if you do your research up front and you look to buy in a great area and you think about your tenant, you will build wealth for the long term. Hello, hello, hello. Everybody, we have a special guest today. We have Penelope Valentine from Property Alchemy. And today we're going to be talking about how to build and manage a property portfolio. Penelope, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a beautiful day in Sydney. The sun is shining. I know. It's so nice. It's, it's, it lifts my mood. It makes the podcast yep, me too. more fun. I'm happier to pick up the phone. And uh, the, the worst part about it is if the other way, then I don't want to talk to anybody. And I'm <laughs> just sitting in spreadsheets. So I'm glad to see days like this. Yep, absolutely. And how is it over over there? I, I know that you're doing a bit of homeschooling and all that fun stuff. How are you coping through this COVID time? Yeah, I don't think fun and homeschooling go anywhere near each other in a sentence. Um, uh, look, a massive shout out to all the parents there doing the homeschooling and, and running businesses and working. It's, it is really tough, but we will get there. We did this last year and we all survived. Um, and in the bigger picture, I think this will be a blimp on all our children's lives. And I don't think if we don't put too much pressure on ourselves and on them, I, I know we'll all get through and there'll be resilience around it for us. Yeah, that's a really nice way of thinking about it. I, I don't envy the position of all of you out there that are working with your children, trying to teach them to read and do math and all sorts of fun stuff. I mean, I retract yep. that, not that fun stuff. <laughs> Nonetheless, we will get through it. Absolutely. Um, Penelope, I, I wanted to get you on the show because your business is very successful. You've been in property industry for a long time. You're independently, you and Lee are successful investors. You have a broad portfolio that I don't even know the half of. But um, the little snippets that I have heard about, it does sound like you are um, very good, sophisticated investors with a broad sweeping understanding of different types of property. You have invested in a number of different asset classes, types of property and different states and even countries. Is that right? Uh, just different states, all in Australia different at the moment. States. Yes. Um, and you know, I wanted to get you on the show because your business, you do so well managing portfolios, helping your clients grow their portfolios. And I wanted to pick your mind a little bit, just because it's always good to hear another person's point of view. Um, the most pressing question that I have is what is your investment philosophy for building Mm. a property portfolio? How do you see it? Well, look, we, First of all, Lee, my husband and I, we met at McGrath, the estate agents, um, 20 years ago. So we've always had a passion and a, um, around property and property investment. So look, my philosophy for me and for my husband and what we tell our clients is when you're first starting out thinking about investing in property, you, you start relatively small. You work out what your budget is and then you absolutely stick to that. And then once you've kind of cut your teeth on your first investment, then you can leverage the the capital growth within that property and look to purchase again. But it's all around making sure you stick within your budget, that you choose the right area. So that means making sure you've done some research and you understand the area that you're investing in, making sure that it's something that a tenant would want to live in. Um, And then as you get uh, more experience, you can maybe branch out, do more sophisticated investing, but it's really about making sure that research point, the research part is done really, really well because buying in the right location, I think, is the foundation piece of a great portfolio of properties. 
you said a lot of really interesting things in there that some of our listeners or viewers may have missed. One thing that I think is important is the fact that you actually mentioned the tenant. And I feel like as investors, we get focused on the property, the return, the spreadsheet, the numbers, the stats, but we forget that a person is going to be renting this. We need to look after them and whatever we're going to buy, it needs to be with the mindset of who is going to rent it and what's important for them. I love the fact that you're discussing, you know, keeping within your budget and picking the market right. Um, there are different schools of thought where people will want to over-engineer the property portion, try and do a development or make it very, very complicated. But if you haven't got the market right, I think a lot can go wrong. So talking about the market, how do you pick a good market? How do you consider what would be a good market? So I think, first of all, your point about the tenant is is really important. And when we buy for property investors, we start with is the tenant going to like this property? Um, Because the more people that want to live in your property, the more competition you have, which can increase increase pricing, and the more chances you have of minimal vacancy. So making sure that you have an asset that is going to appeal to a large audience is so important. How do we pick a market? Well, first of all, we look at comparable sales in a market and see where they're trending. We want to understand what infrastructure or what development is going into that area. So are local councils investing in green spaces? Is the redevelopment of um, dilapidated spaces? You know, just really getting a, an idea of the trajectory of that local market because that trajectory of the local market is going to increase the actual price. So as much as we look at yield, we really, really focus on capital growth over the long term. So going back to the philosophy of property investment, long-term, we are long-term property investors and we encourage our clients to think that way as well. Yeah, that's great. So steady, one step in front of another, start small, Mm. you want the capital growth. And I like the attention that you give to local council because it's easy to get swept up in the big things. Oh, the Brisbane Olympics is coming. So Brisbane's going to boom, right? (laughs) I've heard that so many times. But people don't get don't think about the minutiae it's the little things mm. when you're living in a property it's how far do i have to walk to that park is there green space are they going to change that dilapidated you know railway station into something fun you know i yep. lived in in an area um called saint peter's and around i i didn't really wholly value what they were doing they had this thing called the saint peter's triangle and in there they were spending a million dollars on some on some equipment for kids and other little bits and pieces. And you could easily gloss over it because as an investor, you're looking for a billion dollars spent here, there or whatever. You're looking for these really big things, but it's not until you go into an area and you see how much parents value, you know, the new gym equipment or, you know, they've cleaned up this area. Now it's a cool creative space for artists. And there's small mm. little line items of a million dollars or half a million dollars, but it changes everything for the streetscape and for the people living there. So yeah, that's a does. really important point. And I think you need to think about the target audience being the tenant. So let's just think of an example. If you were looking to buy a, um, a house and land package and you were potentially 20Ks out of the CBD, your target audience or your tenants are going to potentially be young families. Now, what do young families want? The mum wants to be able to get the pram, push it out to a park, go and get a coffee, so you need cafes, um, and you're going to need public transport that gets you into the CBD. 
Alternatively, you could be looking to purchase a one bedroom unit in the CBD. So then you've got young professionals or single people um, and they want cafes, they want nightlife, they want, you know, they want to be able to go to a really nice restaurant. So you need to think does this property have everything that the people that I'm going to be trying to attract to my investment property, are they going to want to live here? Um, and just on top of the area, you've also got to look about elements of that property. So a lot of um, people will come to me and go, oh, this is such a bargain, it's so cheap. But I'm like, it's southerly, the aspect is south, so it's going to be cold. Um, the, it doesn't have a lot of natural light. There's no storage in that property. There's no public transport. So while a property may look cheap for the area, it's a false economy if you cannot get a good rent and that property is going to be cheap in 10 years time as well. So you're not going to get the capital growth. So making sure that you find a property, not necessarily that you want to live in, but that you can see people will be comfortable and really enjoy living there. Again, I, I really, really do appreciate that because people, people really value cheap because it feels less scary, mm. but cheap is cheap for a reason. I always say this. Yeah, that's good. And cheap today will be cheap tomorrow. I like that as well. So if you're picking up something that has these qualitative features, qualitative meaning, you know, sunlight, air, the right direction, outlook, um, beautiful design, insulation, you know, noise, like it doesn't allow for a lot of noise from the outside. So it's a nice quiet mm. place. All of these qualitative features add value to the property. It may be a bit more expensive, but then that carries forward. Yeah. Um, are there any particular features that you see in a property that are standouts to that, that you think are must-haves or standouts for tenants? Yeah, that's a great um, question. So nat natural light and airflow. Um, I think they sound so basic, but it's so important. And also bedroom room sizes. I've mm -hmm. been into so many new builds where you've got these tiny three by two and a half bedrooms and tenants just don't want to live in there, especially when so many people are working from home now. If you have a bedroom where you can't put a desk in there, it's a non-negotiable for a lot of people. Um, storage is a really big part of what tenants want in their lifestyle. Um, so whether that's storage inside or a lot of uh, properties now have storage cages in the garage, I think that's really good. And also a functional floor plan. So an ensuite in the master bedroom and then a main bedroom, sorry, main bathroom um, in the home. Having the bedrooms separate as well um, can be good. So their bedrooms right up, right next to each other. Um, having a kitchen with an island so you don't necessarily have to have a dining table, you know, if you've got a smaller apartment or a small house. Um, you know, just it's just normal creature comforts. I think if you can work with an architect or there's been some design elements which have really thought about how is someone going to live in this space, then they're the best properties to buy because then we go back to attracting the most amount of tenants. And, and what are your thoughts on, you know, assuming we have the property, we've, we've ticked all the boxes, we've got a market we like, we've, we've, we've chosen the right assets, uh, the right features for the right asset. Um, what are your thoughts on in-time increasing rents? Like what okay. assets have you seen you're able to increase the rents the most? Because for all of you out there, Penelope also manages property or has a team that manages property and she's been exposed to that space and she understands it. What types of properties where you've seen the most rental growth in the market? So, look, the market is one thing, but also the property. Every time we have a great property, 
we know that we're going to be able to get the most amount of rent within that market. If you look at it with similar properties, that property is going to do the best. So anywhere with a really nice outdoor space, like a garden apartment or um, a house that's got a usable outdoor area, we know that every time we do our rent reviews, which is annually, that we're going to be able to push that rent up the most because it's going to be so highly desirable. So it comes back down to that first initial time you see that property, you think, wow, what did I love about that property? Because someone else is going to walk in and love that as well. But those regular rental reviews are so important. And we can talk about property management and what, why that's so important later. But making sure that every year you're doing a comparison of other properties in the area and looking at how much demand there is for that particular property, it'll mean that you're always managing that asset and getting the most out of it. Well, since we're here, let's talk about rental because I, I think that this is a part of a, this is a highly undervalued part of the property conversation. People put a lot of effort into going and buying the asset mm. and then they neglect to look after it. I, I can't agree with you enough. And you know, look, so I am a property manager. I've done property management. Um, it's very dear to my heart and I know how much difference it makes in a property investor's experience of property investment. And I regularly hear so many horror stories about how property investors find it so difficult to own properties and it's such a painful experience dealing with property managers. Look, in Australia, the general um, tenure of a property manager is 18 months and that's because they generally don't get paid well enough, they're young, it's like a stepping stone to sales or a different career. So quite often property managers are overworked and underpaid, which means they don't stay for very long. So as a property investor, you constantly have a revolving door of these property managers looking after your property, and that's tough. Um, and also property managers aren't necessarily given all the tools they need to do their job properly. So from my experience, when you go to find a property manager, I've tried to break it down into five parts so it's easy to remember. You need to understand the processes and the systems. So you want to understand really how are they going to manage this asset of yours. Um, and the first thing is finding a tenant. So making sure you find the right tenant sets the tenancy up for success. And that's all about doing really uh, thorough background checks, you know, professional, personal, um, social media checks as now because you want to make sure they are who they say they are. And obviously affordability is very critical with COVID going on. Um, so understand from the property manager, how do you do this? Can you assure me you're going to find me the right tenant for my property? The next thing is um, rental collection. So there's been a huge change in property management over the last three years. It used to be that everyone had to have what's called a trust account where the tenant would pay rent into the agency's account and then they would hold it for a month and disperse it to the property investor at the end of the year. And that doesn't have, have to happen anymore. So actually landlords can get paid their rent exactly on the day that it's due, which means that they can pay down their um, mortgage faster. So ask the property manager, tell me what your process is around collecting rent and what happens if a tenant stops paying rent or can no longer afford to pay rent. Because you want to understand that property manager knows what to do quickly in a situation where uh, the tenant's in arrears and also find out about what they would do in COVID if they were asked for a rent reduction. Um, and then inspections. You want to know how frequently the inspections are going to happen and in each state the legislation is different in terms of how many inspections you can do. But we would always re recommend three inspections in the first year and then six monthly after that. But more importantly, you want to know what kind of report as a property investor are you going to get 
around that inspection? You know, what's the detail that goes into that? And if the property manager doing the inspection actually sees something like a crack in the wall or um, they feel some damp under a sink, how are they going to know that the next time they do that inspection that they have to look out for that same issue again? So there's a lot of great software around there now that will make sure that that happens. So small problems can get fixed quickly so they don't turn into big expensive problems. Um, and then fourthly, maintenance. How easy is it for a tenant to bring, tenant, uh, bring maintenance to the agency's attention? So when we look after properties, we do an induction with the tenant and we explain to them how to lodge maintenance um, and that they have to do it quickly and that they can just take a photo and it goes straight through their tenancy app. So find out from your property manager, how do they manage maintenance? Because if maintenance doesn't get reported, um, you could have flooding in the house, you could have walls that are cracking, you could have damp coming through the ceiling. Um, so it's really important that maintenance is dealt with quickly. Um, and finally, as we spoke about rent reviews, you know, what's their process around making sure that your asset is getting the best and the highest yield it possibly can? Um, and how do they do the rent reviews and how often do they get done? So finding a tenant, rental collections, inspections, maintenance and rent reviews. They're the five areas that I would be talking about because you're interviewing this property manager, you know, not unlike a, a funds manager if you had a share portfolio. You want to make sure your property manager isn't just collecting rent and going out and checking the property. They should be managing that asset to get the most out of it. It, it's, it feels like these are things that should be givens. Like Doesn't it? You would assume <laughs> that these are things that a manager should do. Yeah. But I like, I really, really like the way that you phrased it because if if you're going and interviewing the property manager, mm. rather than allowing them to just talk at you, you can ask the pointed questions and you can tell a lot by a way that someone answers a question. Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's so much more transparency around property investment now. I mean, when I started in property management, I think it was 17 years ago, I remember that the principal at the time said, don't answer the phones because it'll be a, an unhappy in property investor and we don't want them to know what we did and we never shared any information about inspections. But now we've got an owner portal, a tenant portal. The owners can see everything about their portfolio, every conversation we have with tradespeople, the tenants, all the inspections, when the rent is due, it's 100% transparent now. And that's how it should be. You shouldn't have anything to hide. So make sure you know exactly what these property managers are doing when they're managing your asset. Is it fair to say that, because I've, I've experienced this, where some people come in and pe property managers, I think, are the most one of the most undervalued people in this process. I believe that because they get paid so little when they start out and they either bounce mm. out or and they look for something else or you've got people that are really passionate about it is it fair to say that you want a property manager that does seem like they're passionate that they love property that they are you know thick-skinned and able to have a, a difficult conversation like what kind of qualities do you want to see in a person when you're talking to them yeah that's a great question look they need to be really organized because when you are a property manager you have things flying at you all day um, and you have to have as you said thick skin because you really are a complaint center um, they need to be reliable and they need to be transparent um, one of the biggest um, aspects of a property management's role is to understand the legislation as well because the legislation does change and it's our job to mitigate any risk for our property investors so they need to have a really good understanding of what the legislation is and how that impacts, any changes impact 
their clients or their landlords. And can I ask, with when when you are looking for properties in the market, how uh, do you involve property managers? Uh, should investors go and, and canvas early on? Should they be talking to property managers about what the state of the market is? What kind of rental returns can they assume to get? Like how, how, at what point do you like to, I know that you don't because you manage your own properties, but would you engage property managers into your conversation? Like me personally, let me just project for a moment. I like to jump on realestate.com and domain. I like to canvas and talk to uh, property managers very early in the piece mm. because they will tell you a state of play. They'll give you a sense of demand. And But what have, what have been your experiences and what should investors sort of take away when they are looking for a good investment property? I think if you can find a property manager first, then, or you get a referral for a property manager, then I think that's absolutely the way to do it. You just need to be, when you're looking through realestate.com, don't forget that the person that's on the ads may just be the leasing manager. So when you speak to them, they not, may not be the property manager who's got all the uh -huh. insight and who's going to be managing the property. But they will definitely be able to give you a good idea and understanding of the rents. And it's a good opportunity for, to see how much uh, they know about the process, how much they know about the legislation, how much they know about how the property is actually going to be managed. Um, I think that there's too many times people just buy an investment property and the sales agent goes, oh, hey, I'll flick you over to our property management department. They're great. And they may be. But it doesn't give you the opportunity to make sure that that property manager is right for you. Mm, it makes perfect sense. And sometimes just character, you don't get along, you don't want to talk to them. So maybe yeah. it's better to just pick a person that you get along with. Yep. And, and we're, we're jumping around a little bit. But, you know, when we are talking about acquiring properties, there's obviously we've got it, we're managing, managing it. Um, I want to take a back step before we've actually bought it and, and talk a little bit more about um, how you think about uh, structuring a portfolio and mm -hmm. to see if it to see if your philosophy changes as people become more advanced investors. Okay. So you said your philosophy is start small, you know, buy within your means and, you know, keep on growing from there. Um, does that change if I am a younger investor or an older investor, more sophisticated or less sophisticated? Does the philosophy swing in different ways as your maturity as an investor changes over time? Um, I think there's two parts to that. So first of all, if you start investing younger, so I don't know anything, anyone under 30, when you start investing, um, you've got a long time to really leverage the capital growth in that portfolio. Um, so I would be always looking to diversify a portfolio. And what I mean by that is looking to buy a mixture of potentially apartments um, and maybe some houses do some land and uh, house builds, some new builds, look at different areas, so potentially different states. You know, what's happening in Adelaide, there's been huge growth over there. There's some great buying in Melbourne at the moment. Um, Brisbane market has just gone nuts. So, um, and then Sydney market as well. Um, you could also look at buying a mix of residential and commercial property. But I think when you start getting into commercial property, that's more, you know, five, six down, years down the line once you've understood a lot around buying. So I think you start small, you diversify in terms of different asset classes and also in different areas. Um, mm -hmm. If you enter into property investment later in life, so if you're kind of over 40 and you're starting to get into property investment, um, then I think it's a little bit different because you don't, you don't have the 20, 30 or 40 years of capital growth 
um, ahead of you. So you might be looking at something that's potentially positively geared. So looking more toward yield than to capital growth. Um, but it, you know, it depends on where you're buying and what your end goal is. But property investment is about building wealth. And depending on, no matter where you are in your life cycle um, or how much money you've got, if you do your research up front and you look to buy in a great area and you think about your tenant, you will build wealth for the long term. It's a really good sound way of thinking about it. I share your philosophy, you know, start small within your means, acquire mm. over time, have a longer term perspective, diversify your assets. And once you've got a steady base and you can, t you can kind of afford to take different or bigger risks, you know, whether that is commercial or diversifying into, you know, um, holiday parks or whatever mm. the hell yeah. you want to go jump into later, that's, that's up to you because you've got I the cash flow, you've got the equity. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know if you what you think about this, but there's also fractional investment. So there's a lot of marketplaces where you can get a group of people that can go in. If you can't afford to invest by yourself, then, you know, you can look to invest with other people. Um, you know, I think it's going to get harder and harder for our children to get onto the property ladder. And sometimes fractional investment is a good way to get onto the, the property ladder. Um, obviously, your returns are less, but it's less risk as well. Mm. And when when you're buying property, this is a conversation that I have. And, and by the way, this is not going to be financial advice, this next question or yeah. answer. But um, what are your thoughts on the age-old debate of interest-only loans versus principal and interest and how you try to structure it or, or talk to your clients about ways to approach lending with their broker? So... Honestly, interest only for investment properties. So we look at that this way. If you've got a mortgage, that um, interest you're paying on your mortgage is non-deductible debt. So you should really be smashing your mortgage and trying to pay it down as quickly as possible. Um, if you have a on your interest own home. on your own home, yes. But yep. so any extra money should be going on your own home and then leave your investment portfolio structured as interest only. So that's tax deductible debt. So it's just a better use of your money. And then as soon as you've got enough money, you pull that out and then you buy another property. So property portfolio investment, interest only, owner occupier principal and interest, and then just smash your principal as quickly as you can. Yeah, it's a pretty simple philosophy. I, I agree. I think you do. Okay. Or spoil yeah, you're no, going to disagree with me. No, no. Well, I mean, I agree with that. And that's, that's, a, that's an aggressive, I think it's a more aggressive way of investing because, you know, not aggressive, but if you, if you have the, the luxury or the liberty of owning your own home, then lucky you pay that debt down. So that's your own home. It's non-deductible debt. And that certainly makes a lot of sense. And for, for your investment portfolio, that's all deductible debt, as you've just said mm -hmm. it. So, and the way I think about investment debt is, over time, you're looking to increase it, not decrease it. Yeah. So for you to pay it off to then increase it anyways, it, it's it's kind of like moving your money around from your left hand to your right hand. And I, I think if you're going to be paying down debt, pay off your own home. But if you don't have to pay off your own home, maybe use additional cash, which is flexibility to use it as a deposit for your next one. So Look, it's, it's one of those things. Some people like to pay down debt as fast as possible. My fiance, uh, Charlotte's much more risk averse than I am. So right. we've got some loans that are P&I and some loans that are interest only. And it's just, 
It does. Look, if everyone has a different risk profile, I understand that. And especially when you get a couple and they've got, you know, very different risk profiles, it can be difficult. But wrapping your head around good debt um, is often not a concept that people get really quickly. Um, mm. You know, it takes a lot of time to really understand the best way to manage debt. And financial advisors are, are the best people to go and talk to. They can draw the pictures and, and make it easier for you. But in my experience, that has been the best outcome for us. And we've been investing for 20 years. Yeah. And, and I've seen some photos of your bar that you have at home. So if that's <laughs> yeah. any, any a litmus test to sort of judge a, a property portfolio, then you should be listening to what Penelope has to say. Um, <laughs> So, Penelope, I want to say thank you for the show today. Um, but before you go, I've got to ask, do you have any parting words of wisdom or anything in particular you want to leave our audience with? Property investment is a great way to build wealth, especially in Australia. You just have to do the research up front or there are professionals, there's buyers, agents out there that can help you. But don't be afraid to get on the property ladder because if you start doing it right, then you'll definitely build long-term wealth. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And for everyone that's out there, you, you probably know by now that Wealthy does some of this work. So um, reach out to us, reach out to Penelope, um, have a chat to any of the team. We're happy to help you or at least just have these kinds of conversations. Um, I love the idea of just getting started. Penelope, thank you for your time today. It's been a great pleasure. I've learned lots. I've taken some notes. So um, I'll be looking back to this when when um, sending this video to some of our clients when we go back to the whole property management part specifically. Um, all of you out there, keep on listening, watching, subscribe, like, send it to all your friends and thank you. I'll catch you all soon. Thanks, Tom.